Welcome to episode 86 of Drew's Sports Crew here on this Monday morning. Myself, Drew Skyberg, bringing you the news in the sports world. And look, we have a lot of stuff to talk about here on episode 86. We got to go through, of course, high school football playoffs. We got to talk about level two, kind of preview level three. We have one team moving on to level three. So we'll get we'll get through all of that. Also, we got to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and their sizzling 5-0 and starts. It's been an impressive go-around for the Bucks so far throughout this year. And then we're gonna, lastly, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers' performance in Buffalo on Sunday night. Um, a better one than people perceive, but still, you know, not a good one. Not not a good enough to get the job done, and they move to 3-5 and five, as we know. But we'll go first through some announcements. You know the drill. Interested in buying hats. Contact at Drew Sports Crew on all social media platforms for more info. Or, of course, myself at, at Drew, Drew Skyberg. Find me there. Take care of that as well. But that's kind of the main thing. As you know, Fantasia, right? That link is always in the link tree down below. You know, if you want to get started in your DFS journey, right? Go ahead on there. If you want to go on your, maybe your parlay journey, maybe you're looking more on that aspect, Thrive Fantasy, they got you covered. Go check that out on the link tree. Find that code J2M then to get started on your journey to million today. So you can go check that out all on there. I guess scheduling wise, you saw the post, you know it's coming. It's a four episode week here on the podcast. We got, of course, episode 86 today with myself. And then tomorrow morning, I'll be bringing you some Drew's basketball crew. We're going through some daily fantasy. It was a wild was wild last week, right? With all the injuries, Shea Gilgis Alexander ended up playing last minute after being ruled out the day of the game. So it was very interesting yesterday or last week in that slate. So we'll be bringing it tomorrow morning again, trying to stay on top of all the news that's happening in the basketball world. And all we also then have episode 20 of Drew's College Athlete Spotlight. Yep, it is this week. It is on November 2nd. It'll air Wednesday. But then also tomorrow night, November 1st, you will have a live recording of it there on, of course, here, YouTube, or if you're watching on Twitch, welcome. Yep, it'll be on there as well. We'll have Maddie Lambert on, a Division Three softball player from the University of Wisconsin Stout in the WEAC Conference is where we'll be at tomorrow night. Lastly, to round out the week, you know the drill. Journey to a Million, around 536, kind of around that time. We might be moving up a little early. Uh, for future weeks, we'll keep you posted on that. But the classics, right? You're going to hear Jared and Zach brag about how well they, they supposedly did, right? I mean, we've heard that the last few weeks, but it'll, it'll be a good time. Um, and looking forward to it. Hopefully, um, you know, team picks goes better for me than next week. Because I will admit it's been a tough go around for my, myself and Jared Zach's running away with the with the fantasy team picks right now. It's It's a disaster right now but credit Zach he's been on fire on that but let's let's keep it going and yeah I mean let's roll here into the world of high school sports that's where we're gonna go we're gonna go to the Eastern Wisconsin Conference we'll go to level two playoffs we'll talk about the three games that took place on Friday October 28th so we'll start in the world of Kilkiwani a rematch from week one I believe is what we're seeing here and what we saw, we saw uh, Kiwani took control of this game. That's really what happened. It was, and then Kiel could not get 
could not come back, basically. What I mean by that, Kiwani goes up 24-0, and they're up that at the end at the end of the first half. No score by either team in the third, but Keel's able to get 13 points up in the fourth, but too late as Kiwani again tacks on a field goal, make it 27-13. Was your final? Kiwani moves on to level three. Let's go to the stats. No stats for Kiwani. I can give you some Keel stats, though. Connor Faust was 7 of 21, two passing touchdowns and one interception was Faust. Then going on the rushing side, you know, it was a pretty decent offensive showing for the Kiel Raiders. I mean, just going through the stats. I know 7 for 21, not great passing, but the run game was pretty effective. I mean, credit where credit's due, Kiel was able to run the ball a lot this year effectively. So that was certainly promising for them. Um, they had Connor Benversi, 3 for 50. Uh, Bryce Gullickson. 17 of 58. Connor Faust, 7 of 45. Colin Gossi, 5 of 26. Some decent you know, numbers. It ended up uh, being a 5.6 yards an attempt average for the 34 attempts for 192 yards, which that's decent. I mean, that's that's good enough to win you a game. So looking at that, but only seven receptions out of the 21 passing attempts. That ended up costing the squad on the offensive end. Charlie Freese, 5 of 103. Three for two receiving touchdowns was Freese in this game. Had a great game here. Brain April one for 12 then, and Bryce Gullickson one for five. On the defensive side, we saw an interception by Trey Bartz in this game. No sacks, it looks like, for Ke- for Keel on Kiwani. Again, no Kiwani. That's no, no official like scoring You know, recap here. I can tell you who scored in what quarter. I can't tell you who scored those points, though, unfortunately, but I can tell you that Kiwani, again, is moving on in Division 5. We are, yes, they are going to be moving on. They're going to play Southern Door, and again, Southern Door and Shilton, they squared off on Friday. We'll talk about that game right now. So what happened to a surprise, maybe not a surprise by many, but Shilton was up 7-0, end of 1. Look, the Southern Door team is very good. I mean, we talked about this last week. This is, I think this team's actually going to be playing at, Camp Randall. I think this is, I think they might be one of the locks for me at state. I, I don't see this team losing. So, what happened was, right, you know, Chilton, they get off to a nice start. Max Miller, two yard rushing touchdown, seven nothing is the score. And then from there, also North, literally 34 unanswered through quarters two through four. And that was your game. But what happened was, Southern North knows this Chilton team's run first as many do, right? And they were able to stop them very effectively. 32 rushing attempts for Chilton, 90 yards. That's a 2.8 yards an attempt, one touchdown then for them on the ground again. That was that was kind of the story and credit the Southern Door receiving core. They had an impressive game here in level 2. It was Drew Douse was 11 for 13, three three passing touchdowns there. No interceptions. The, the ground game was was effective. Right, Zach Lynch was twenty two of one forty two, which was six point five yards and attempt one rushing touchdown. Dallas had the other rushing touchdown for Southern Door, but it was this. It was one for fifty was Taylor Schaefer with a receiving touchdown. Then they had Derek Shington. They had um, one for fourteen with a touchdown, and then they had Jack Peterson eight for one one with a touchdown. Jared Hockey, is that uh, one for three? Then in this game, some of these opponents here, you know, re- trying to read their names. 
as long as it can be tough, I want to make sure I'm pronouncing them as accurately as possible here. But as you know, a lot of names in football, so certainly something we strive for here. But um, on the defensive side, that interception for Southern Door came from Christian Conrad, it looks like, uh, for this team. Uh, and yeah, I mean, let's go to let's go more on the Chilton side again. Miller, eleven for nineteen with one interception, no passing touchdowns. Talked about the ground game struggling. Jared Gell was that guy who who flourished though. Twelve of sixty-two, five point two yards in attempt. On the receiving side, Dalton Tash was two of seventy-eight in this game. Zach Halbach five of sixty-three, and then Jared Gell one for eleven. Ryan Piarki, one for nine. Jackson Ludwig, three for 25 for Chilton. Again, you know, I always talk about the goal here is to always accurately and effectively, you know, report information. So if, if I'm ever saying a name wrong, right, I mean, gladly send it over. You know, love to correct that for future episodes, future, you know, future segments like this, right? So, so I want to credit some people in Chilton. Let me know, Ryan Piarki. We, we got it right now. So. There's a lot of PRKs, so we, we can say it right now, officially say. Now we know how to say it here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but again, tough end here for the Tigers. A very successful season, though, making it to level two, uh, finishing number two in conference after an incredible game against two rivers as well. So credit where credit is due for them. And, yeah, the t- this Southern Door squad, uh, they are impressive, as we know. And, yeah, I think. I certainly think you'll see this team end up at state because they square off against Kiwani on Friday, November 4th. They play the winner of Aquinas Colby, and that's the four and the three in their respective section, which is right above them. And just to be honest, I mean, I I don't see Southern Door losing to either of these squads looking through it. I mean, it's impressive how Colby beat number one St. Croix Falls 28-0. So, and that was the four beat the one there. You didn't, you didn't see that much here and any, at any level Aquinas then also beating the two 38, 16. So like, these were not really close games was the interesting thing, but this one into Southern door Kiwani, I'll take Southern door by probably multiple scores. Reason being, let's go through it. Kiwani and Southern door, of course, in the same conference, Kiwani finished the runner up. So, you know, so Kiwani lost to Southern Door. I'll give you the score here in a second. Southern Door won 1914. So closer game than people perceived, including myself. I I don't know. I just I don't see the Southern Door team falling to Kiwani. I know sometimes even in football, it might it's not the easiest to beat a rival twice a year. You know, I mean even like in basketball, they say it's hard to beat a team three times a year. Uh, if you're from Valders, you know that when many Many times they'll sweep a regular season round and their conference round, and uh, and you'll meet they meet the same squad they sweeped in the regular season, and you lose, which that's happened. But going through this Kiwani, of course, being you know the underdog based on the seed and whatnot, looking for an upset, but certainly Sondor looks like the favorite to win this game to move on, go to state there in D five. Let's go to the last game, though. We'll talk about Two Rivers and Kiwaskum, the three versus the two in Division Four. Look, I talked about it. I saw, I, I was talking about how I think Two Rivers. I think they should be favored to win this game. I know they're three and two. I just I really like Two Rivers in this ball game, and 
they showed out. They were up 14-0 at the end of the first half, thanks to a Chase Mathias six-yard run in the first quarter. And then another Chase Mathias run in the second, around the one-minute mark for both. Uh, give them a 14-0 lead at half. Then they go up 21-0. Chase Mathias does it again, 21-0 there. And then a 62-yard pass for Key. Waskum gets them on the board. No score in the fourth. Two Rivers gets the job done, 21-7 at Key. Waskum. How'd that happen? Chase Mathias, 22 of 155, seven yards in attempts, three rushing touchdowns. Damian Gretz, 5 of 63 as well. Impressive stuff for Gretz there. Coming up big. Justin Klinkner only had to throw the ball 12 times, had two interceptions though. So he was 8 for 12. Four of his incompletions um, out of those four, two were interceptions is what I'm saying. So not a great showing there for Klinkner. However, again, credit Mathias. And then also the receiving side, Elijah Mott, 3 of 55. So they're really able to hold this Two Rivers passing attack in, in check. But when you got Chase Mathias, that's okay with them. Able to really control the game on the ground is what I'm seeing. Um, we saw Kiwaskum throw for 18 times. Ryan Cook, 7 of 18. One touchdown, one interception. 36 of 60 was the rushing side. 1.7 yards an attempt. Impressive by the Raiders there. 12 of 46, however, was Dylan Steger for them. Otherwise, the receiving attack, Bailey Raff, Ralph was 265 with that receiving touchdown. Not much else going for Kiwaskum. Again, two rivers. They had an interception. Xander Pop had that interception. They also had three sacks. It was Elijah Mott, Christian Piles, and Connor Sanford getting the job done for two rivers. And again, they win this game 21-7. The undefeated season continues for the Raiders. We'll preview the game here. Racine St. Catharines is the opponent. I'll give you all the full rundown on them, but again, Two Rivers moves to 11-0 and overall. So we're going to go to that Racine St. Catharines game. What happened, right? Um, they play them. They're at Racine St. Catharines. We'll talk again here about the squad. I had some common opponents up. Again, we're not going to look too much into that. We're going to talk more about this team, what they like to do, right? So, this Racine St. Catherine squad at 10 and 1 overall is this team. And Coach Dan Miller, his squad finished 6 and 1 in the Metro Classic Conference. Uh, they finished again second place in that conference. And Martin Luther won that conference going 7 and 0. However, they did fall in the playoffs. But really, I mean, they, Racine St. Catherine's, they have a quarterback who threw for over 1,600 yards. In the regular season, so to put that in perspective, it's kind of what it's around Max Breenbach's number for passing. So, you know, they have like a guy who is like the second, you know, second in conference in passing yards in the EWC. But then they have two runners. They have or they have two running backs. It's JV on Hunter, DJ Miller, and both of these players combined for one thousand eight hundred and fifty-five yards. So both these players combined combined for um, a little over 200 more yards than what Brain Reimer accumulated in the Eastern Wisconsin Conference. So if you're looking at it, I mean, that's a pretty lethal attack. Plus, um, they have they have two um, wide receivers. They have Jakari Oliver and Davion Thomas Kumpala, who really the, the main one being Thomas Kumpala. 841 receiving yards to Jakari Oliver's 362, but 
it's not often you see a kind of thing like this where you'll see um, a quarterback with over 1,500 passing yards, two running backs with over 900 yards combined, or 900 yards each, and then you have a receiver with 841 yards. I mean, that's that's not common at all, which concerns me with this is kind of an interesting attack. Uh, again, that perspective for the 841 receiving yards that is in between Noah Heinen's 1,008 and Austin Phillips, number two, who is number two with 613. So, I mean, that that's pretty lethal offense considering they would have, I mean, I, I know the two 900-yard rushers or the two rushers who running backs who had over 900 yards each won't be in the rushing yards, but look at the stats. Like, they would have some conference leaders if you're just looking at the numbers game again. So that's an interesting kind of how they have they have a lot of talent basically is where I'm going with that. But they were also able to average 41.5 game or points a game in the Metro conference, which this Metro conference was, I'm not going to say top, really top heavy, but it was certainly, it didn't have, it had some, had some not so good teams, which with that, you know, the EWC was from a talent perspective was not valued as much either, but look, they, they won their non-con games. And but they also played. I mean, they lost to Martin Luther by seven. But this the Campbell Sport team that they beat thirty eight twenty seven. So keep that in mind. They won by eleven the week prior. I want to highlight that as that Campbell Sport team. I think is. I, I mean, I think Two Rivers would beat them certainly. Uh, if Campbell Sport finishing seven and four, but I think Campbell Sport is. You know, not. not two Rivers is a better team if those two were to face off, and I think Two Rivers will play Campbell Sport or. Christine St. Catherine's closer than 11 point game is where I'm going with this. I really could see, I can see two rivers winning this game. I guess where I'm going with it. I could see it being, you know, two rivers could lose by a score. I, I think this is going to be a one score game though. If we're looking in that aspect, um, not 11 point outing. We saw with that Racine St. Catherine Campbell sport game, but you know, two rivers, they got the job done at Kiwaskam. Why can't they get it done against, seen St. Catharines. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at it, but I guess if we're going to that Campbell sport, let me give you that 27, 38 game. I'll kind of tell you what happened here before we kind of move on. I would like to point out how Campbell sport, they had a lot of success running the football and this, this is what you want to hear if you're two rivers. Uh, they were th- 20 of 122. So I think they might've lost themselves it by only running the ball 20 times but that's kind of where I'm seeing it. Um, they didn't really have, run a lot of plays, so that's a little interesting. So that tells me what exactly we're seeing St. Catharines is going to do, and I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball. They ran it 41 times last week, and they passed for tw- 25 times. So a very similar kind of you know output that we see from Two Rivers, we see, again, we'll see Justin Klinkner throw 10 to 20 times, and I think we'll see you know 30 to 45 ru- runs for – Matthias and co. So I would imagine both squads are going to have that similar kind of output where, you know, their receipt take Catherine's quarterback uh, was able to throw 15 of 25 for passing touchdowns in this game. Like it was some impressive stuff. And, you know, on the run running side, it was DJ Miller 37 of 214. He led the way. And then of course, Davian Thomas, Thomas Kumpala, Eight for one sixteen with two receiving touchdowns. So 
it's it's exactly like two rivers where they have balanced receivers where Jakari Oliver had a receiving touchdown as well. Lamont Hamilton was thrown in there. He got a receiving touchdown as well, three for forty-seven. So usually, right, I mentioned Thomas Kampala, Jakari Oliver. You got it. You cannot forget about Lamont Hamilton as well for this team. I think, yeah, Campbell Sport. I mean, they played, if you look at the stats, I mean, they, they played a pretty good game. Um, but they didn't, they couldn't get the job done. I do like, again, how Two Rivers matches up in terms of, you know, if they can stop the run, I like their chances in this game. But again, Racine St. Catharines is a very potent offense, very, very, very good offense. So it'll be tough. But Two Rivers, again, has proven they can beat some of these tough squads. And, Certainly can't count out the Raiders. Again, we're rooting for our EWC team. Yeah, I think we'll see a one-score game at Racine St. Catharines is where I'm going, and that will wrap it up here for the EWC. Talk again, special thanks to Wisports.net. Again, you can find that all down below. We're using WSN here for all of your EWC needs. So thank you again to Wisports.net. Let's go here to the world of basketball. Not football. We're gonna go to basketball. I got the Bucks going. Do I? I I have them going three and one this upcoming week. I said they were gonna go two and one the week prior. Do I need to just stop counting on the Bucks? I mean, they they went three and zero. I I got them three and one this week. They got four games. Um, just that back to back Minnesota at Minnesota. That game scares me. I think that might be the game they lose. Um, if I'm looking at it, I do like them on Saturday against OKC, but. They've had a lot of home games, so I'm not going to say like you know they've been easy games. But the Bucks historically have done very well at home the last you know for Pfizer Forum, as we know. So uh, like they got two games against Detroit, which we love Monday, Wednesday. Um, love both those games. I'll, I'll go back and recap, of course, the prior week. I just want to do the preview right away. Then we got to go to Minnesota Friday night, and then you come back to Oklahoma, or you come back to Milwaukee in a back to back to face. Okay, see there. I am seeing the games at 9 p.m. in Minnesota. Are you kidding me? I mean, sometimes this will happen. It's a Friday night game at Minnesota, so Central Time at 9 p.m., but ESPN is airing the game, so they control when they air it, when the game goes, which is disaster. So what this means, they 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 pair instead of an East Coast game with a West Coast game, they pair an East Coast game with a Central game because obviously they don't want the East game starting at 10 o'clock. So they're like, okay, we'll start the... We're going to start the East game at like five o'clock. It's really like four o'clock our time, right? I mean, something like that. Or even like six o'clock or seven, or they'll just start it at seven o'clock. They'll say it's going two hours, six o'clock or something. And then boom, we get to nine o'clock and they put the central game on. And that means Milwaukee and Minnesota play at nine o'clock. I've been at one of these games before. It was, it was at Pfizer and a game started at nine o'clock and we were out of there at like 1130. So, I mean, very late, but it'll be a fun game. You know, if you're up watching it, it'll be a good one in Minnesota. OKC then at home, 7 o'clock. So we have three 7 o'clock games, one 9 o'clock is what we're looking at this week. But let's go to last week. Um, was that the game against New York? Again, they played sloppy down the stretch. I mean, I was talking about it. Not really a good outing, but you still win by 11. So that's that's how you know you're a great team when things weren't going right that fourth quarter. Not really, you know, midway through the third, it felt after they, they had a they ballooned out to like a 20 plus point lead, but able to take control, still won by 11 was nice to see. 
course, that Brooklyn game on Wednesday was phenomenal. Giannis, 43-14-5. Again, Giannis against New York on Friday, 30-14-9. And, and then he puts up 34-17 and versus Atlanta. But I want to credit Drew Holiday in that one. Played, you know, I mean, he had the game-winning plays. Him and Brooke Lopez, certainly. You know, Giannis gave what's almost expected of him at this point, right? Which we've talked about with how dominant he's been so far this year. But yeah, like talking about guys who showed up, Drew Holiday, 34 points, 13 to 22 with four steals, one block. I mean, he had game steal and steal there in that game. Brooke Lopez had his best game of the year, too. Eight for 12, five for eight from three, 21 points. Uh, Lopez looked great out there. Uh, Giannis, actually, this might surprise you. Giannis had a plus minus of minus 10. So they were uh, total output with him in the game, minus 10. Lopez and Holiday, though, plus 16 for Lopez, plus 12 for Holiday. So well, there you go. Bobby Porter's playing many minutes, plus minus of plus 15. So love to see that. But Marjan Bochamp also got in the game as well. He put up a... Th- three in the game and played seven minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks, trying to work him into the rotation. Can they get that eight-point win there? It was an exciting game, so I wanted to highlight that one. But, yeah, I got the Bucks going three and one this week. I'll be watching again tonight in Detroit, um, in, or versus Detroit at home. Got that game to watch. There's a lot of sports to watch. We have Monday Night Football to watch tonight, and we have the World Series. So anyone got their three-monitor, three-TV setup, let me know. We got to... We got a lot of sports we have to watch tonight. But, I mean, that's really all I want to talk about with the Bucs. They've been playing really good basketball without, you know, Pat Connaughton, without Chris Middleton. When those guys come back, it's going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how the lineup works out. I mean, Javon Carter's played pretty good now. That lineup, Allen's played well. I mean, this team, this team looks good. And I, I know we don't like to see them. I mean, we like to see them win regular season games, obviously, but we don't want to see – Maybe the 60 win where you have a lot of it seems your team's fatigued come postseason. So I wouldn't, I'll take 50 wins, 55 wins, even if players get some more rest down the stretch, just not too much rest because we've seen that also bite teams. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, this is dominant squad, a lot of fun being able to watch the first or two of the first five games, considering a lot, many were at home. Looking forward to go to many more Bucks games. I mean, very affordable. Student Rush is a program you can do with them. Get some great ticket values, ten to twelve dollars day of, or even nine dollars. So I definitely recommend you take advantage of that because this team is a lot of fun to watch this year, and it's fun to watch some winning basketball in Milwaukee. I'll tell you what's not fun though: the Green Bay Packers four-game losing streak. Look, I mean, if you've heard this year, you've heard uh, a lot of you know since. Since 2006, since like 1990 something, since you know, like you've heard numbers like that where the Packers are um, under 500 or whatever, or they haven't scored them as many points. You you've seen it. You've you've definitely seen it. But I want to highlight, you know, 27-17 loss in Buffalo as expected. You know, not many expected them to win this game. You know, without Lazard, um, Quay Walker, Avenue, um a uh, really, really, really bad injection. Um, certainly, I I would guarantee he would reconsider what he did, and hopefully he's not facing any kind of disciplinary action outside of that, right? I mean, we're hoping it was just a suspension, or not suspension. We're, we're not hoping for, we are hoping for no suspension, and we are hoping it was just that ejection, that disqualification is all we're seeing. But look, it was, 
from their injury side, you know, Tavondre Campbell was out then for the game. So that was a disaster. But look, um, Rodgers didn't play that bad. I mean, Rodgers played better than Josh Allen. Josh Allen did not play great in this game. If you're looking at it, um, he had some great throws. He was 13 to 25, two passing touchdowns, two interceptions. He had two really bad miscues in this game. Um, I want to credit the team around him. I mean, it was just a great team win for that squad. Uh, I also want to point out um, Green Bay. I mean, they how they ran, they did actually what I thought, how I thought they should play. I mean, they ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball, ran. they ran the ball down their throats, right? And that tells you a 20 of 143, 7.2 yards, an attempt for Aaron Jones, 10 for 54 with A.J. Dillon as well. So 30 times you run the ball. I was like, okay, now they're ready for the run. And you know what Aaron Rodgers did? Drop back, made some nice plays. Romeo Dobbs um, played pretty well in this game. Seven targets there, four for 62. He had that one stellar catch there in this game. Samori Torre also had the, his first receiving touchdown of his career. I like that as well. I don't I don't, I don't like Amari Rodgers out there. I know many agree with me. Christian Watson gets hurt right away in the game when he was supposed to be a weapon utilized in this offense. That was tough to see. Otherwise... Robert Tunyon is just all reliable. Five of thirty-five, ultimate safety valve there for Rodgers. Um, otherwise, yeah, Sammy Watkins has not done anything. I mean, I, I know Watkins they signed anticipating um, a, a nice return, but nothing they've gotten from Watkins. It's been a disaster this year. On the defensive side, uh, you know, Rasul Douglas. It seemed he was on the you know the bad side of a lot of these nice plays for Buffalo, but. Same time, I mean, he had, he had a sack, he had a QB hit. I mean, he had some pressures. He he, he had one pressure, but like, I, I felt he played okay in some aspect, but he certainly didn't play you know great in some of those instances on Diggs, you know, on Davis, and then of course we saw Jair Alexander was talking with the whole whole squad. Um, that was something to see before the game, during, and after, quite frankly, but. Um, Alexander and Douglas both got interceptions in this game. So Douglas got that there, but it seemed like it seemed we had, um, um, Allen was able to attack and utilize that matchup. Whoever Rasul Douglas was on, he had some not so great plays on defense, but, um, Stokes, Eric Stokes played pretty well. I mean, I know his name doesn't really show up in the stats a lot, but, um, I thought he played, he had a nice game. Um, Otherwise, uh, Kingsley and Agbear, I mean, he's another guy um, who played well in this game. Again, he did, he's limited snaps. I feel like his snap count has been, you know, trending upward. Uh, we didn't see much from Rashawn Gary in this game. You know, always being tough. Um, certainly a guy they double team, right? So that was, we, we noticed that. I mean, Isaiah McDuffie was the guy who stepped in for Walker. Played all right. I was like, okay, cool. Um Otherwise, I don't know. The defense only allowing really 27 points. Um, they got two takeaways. I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't too mad about this defensive performance. I was a little bit more upset with uh, the offense. I mean, it wasn't really an ideal show. I mean, they still had – they were able to run the ball, but look, you can't – they couldn't keep up with kind of how the how Buffalo was playing. Of course, the receiving core, which I'll touch on right now, Stephon Diggs, 6 of 108. 
Uh, he had a 53-yard touchdown there. James Cook had a nice play, 41-yard reception. It's Dalvin Cook's younger brother, of course. Gabe Davis, 235. No, really, everyone else was held in check. Singletary, 14 of 67. Josh Allen, 6 of 49. James Cook, 5 of 35. Safe to say, James Cook is that number two. No more Zach Moss. 13 of 25 is Josh was Josh Allen. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. And yeah, I mean, now we see Buffalo move to six and one overall. Or I guess why do I say that? I say like it's EWC six and one. They move to Packers, go to three and five, unfortunately. But now Packers have a better showing than many in the nation predicted, I'll say. But they don't do what was enough. I mean, they didn't do enough. They um, weren't able to move the ball enough to win the game. They weren't, you know, they didn't get enough key stops. I mean, they got those takeaways, like I mentioned, but they didn't get fully enough. So the stats wise, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll read it to you. And this is kind of where I say like they played okay, because if I read you these stats, you would, you would probably tell me the Packers won this game. 398 total yards to Buffalo's 369. Buffalo, two turnovers. Green Bay, one turnover. So you outgain the opponent. You have less turnovers than the opponent. You have more first downs. 21 to 20 was Green Bay to Buffalo. And then you dominate time possession. 33-48 to 26-12. So stats tell you uh, Packers maybe won this game. Packers could have won this maybe by maybe by a score. But reality tells you they lost by 10. So that's why, you know, looking at the stats sometimes, stats are certainly the deceiving ones because you'll see that and you're you're like, wow, I mean, Packers could have won this game. They outplayed them too. They had more or outplayed being by they had more plays. Buffalo certainly outplayed Green Bay in this one, but penalties is kind of what what makes a little difference here. I mean, not a little, but a huge difference. Eight penalties for a total of 58 yards. So you don't like to see that. Packers special teams had no blunders or blunders um tonight. So or last night. So that was decent to see i'd love to see that but yeah i mean i don't even know what else to say it was just it was a pack it was a game expected that they lo- they lost and they did lose it so it's like okay i can tell you where they go from here though I'll, november 6th they play at detroit look you know i i hate to say this one's a must win because i feel like every game's a must win but come on <laughs> you lose four in a row you start three and one you lose four in a row and now you're looking at three and five. I mean, um, right now it looks like, you know, maybe you can get in with nine losses, maybe eight losses. It's going to have to be a nine and eight, but you're going to have to have some tiebreakers. And if Packers want some tiebreakers, they got to start winning some games. So I think this Lions Cowboy Titans stretch, I mean, this is a stretch here of three games that you get Detroit and you get or not you're, you get Detroit on the road, which is okay. I, I, I like them against on the road against Detroit, but you get Dallas and, and you get um, the Titans at home. So you get two games at home that it's like, Oh, come on. I could see the Packers going on, you know, on a more optimistic note. I feel like the Packers can win against the Lions, move to four and five. And then we could certainly see them here. PD beat the Titans and or Cowboys. I'd be more concerned maybe with the Titans just based on how fundamentally sound of a football team they are with Henry and just, you know, being able to efficiently move the ball in that in games so far this year. I feel, I feel like they can beat Dallas at home. You know, I feel like that's game. Come on. I mean, you got to win that one. That'd be frustrating otherwise, but 
and you get the Eagles and the Bears in those next two games. So it'll be interesting how the Packers come out. So this five-game stretch, I think, is crucial. I think, you know, you're hoping for at least three and two. I mean, um, I say that because you, you do have the Eagles thrown in there. But I, I'm rooting. I, I could see four and one this stretch. And that's, of course, me looking at, like, Packers could still do something here. But I didn't really mention. In the last ones, they have they have to go to Miami, face the Dolphins. They have to play the Vikings still, so and they have to play the Rams. So it's like okay, um, there could be some losses sprinkled in there, but this certainly was their toughest game of the year, Sunday night at Buffalo. So we got through this one. Now it's like okay, well you're basically halfway through. Um, gonna go on a run right now, so that's what we're rooting for with the Packers. Hoping we can see the one come soon here, as we want to see the squad in the playoffs. But again. That is going to probably wrap it up here. Uh, check out, of course, next week, the Packer game against Detroit. It's at noon on Fox, so that's where you'll find that game. And, yeah, looking through it, I mean, that's all I got to talk about today. We talked about, of course, high school football. Good luck to Two Rivers on Friday as they face Racine St. Catharines. Milwaukee Bucks, we got four games this week. We're rooting for keep the streak alive, go 9-0. Why not? I Unfortunately, my stats... Stat prediction I have, or my standings record prediction, three and one is what I picked this week. But why not for the Milwaukee Buck for Milwaukee Bucks basketball and the Packers? We're just rooting for a turnaround. Maybe maybe something happens before the deadline, trade deadline. We'll, we'll see. But again, that will wrap it up for myself, Drew Skyberg. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Drew's Sports Crew, the perfect podcast for you.